You're listening to the Salt Churches Podcast. Here you can listen to messages, inspiration, and lessons learned about planting microchurches all across the nation. Thank you for tuning in. To find more information, you can visit us at www.saltchurches.com. This podcast is brought to you today by Salt Church's founder, Jesse Green. Good morning, guys. Worship was awesome this morning. Good job. I had a dance party back there with my kids, and uh, I got to say, they uh, maybe out-worshipped you guys this morning. (laughs) They were back there just throwing their bodies around, jumping up and down, clapping. And I love doing ministry with my kids because it's like, I'm going to, I'm always crying. So just get prepared for that. But it's just cool to see what it looks like to be actually totally free. Right? So you're all in the room singing like, we're free. We're free. Oh, we're like, okay, believe it. We're free. We're free. And my kids are just like, we're free. <laughs> like, we don't need to think about it. We don't need to convince ourselves. Like, if we want something, we're just going to ask for it. We believe we're totally taken care of. We're not afraid to interrupt something because we know that all of your focus, attention, and devotion is on me. And uh, yet we're like mustering up like, I'm free. I know I'm free. (laughs) And uh, I think sometimes, honestly, I think that's why Jesus even says, he's like, "Look look at how kids come to God. You know, and so I told Parker, I'm like, if the kids make tons of noise, if they want to come in here, just let them do it because I honestly believe that the Holy Spirit will use them to minister to a lot of you because your life is going to be full of interruptions. And if you want everything to be perfectly curated all the time and everyone's create this perfect worship experience for you to encounter the presence of God, you're not going to become a follower of Jesus for your life because life is just not like that. And so... I'm really, I'm really fired up about what God deposited to me for this morning. And um, this is my 10th PSL, so I'm really excited. I went on the world race in 2010. And uh, something, so how many of you guys worked with prison ministry when you're on a race? Anyone work with prisoners? Some of you? Okay, so we worked with prisoners when we were in Uganda. And it was a really interesting thing because... These prisoners were, like, wearing the same thing as the guards. So while we were there, like, I was nervous where I was like, okay, how are we going to know, like, who's the prisoners and who's the people protecting us? And it's so interesting because as we walked into the prison to do ministry and we were preaching and praying for people, it was really, really easy to identify who was a prisoner and who was a guard. It didn't matter what they were wearing. It was how they actually carried themselves. And uh, this morning, as we were worshiping, I had this revelation that I can actually look into this room during worship and see who's free and who's not. And I have good news and bad for you. Bad news for you guys. I would say about half this room is actually free. 
But the good news is I believe 100% of us can get there. But the only thing that's maybe holding you back from 100% true freedom and living like a free person is you maybe haven't been fully convinced of your freedom yet. And so I've talked to a lot of World Race alumni. I did the race myself, and I know that sometimes it's something you have to fight for. But the thing is, is it says in the Word that God gives us His Spirit. Like, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We have the Holy Spirit. It says the Spirit falls upon us to be ministers of the gospel so that we can live righteous lives. Like, if you read through Romans, it's freaking crazy. Like, it's insane. I read it, and I'm like, it can't actually say these things. That, like, there is no one good on the earth. That is what the Bible says. So you're like, you know, they don't love Jesus, but, like, I feel like they're good. Your feelings are wrong. The Bible says there is no one good on the earth. If there was one good person on the earth, Jesus did not have to die on the cross. There is no one good. That's why Jesus had to come down and die for us the most brutal death ever so that we could have a face-to-face relationship with God. And we're wondering if we want to forgive people on our team, forgive adventures and missions, if we want to have those hard conversations at home. No one understands us. And yet Jesus is like, I died for you to have access to the Father. And you're tweeting, you're texting, you're Instagramming, looking in every single direction for someone to give you hope and an answer and to sympathize with you. And my encouragement to you is, is you have a Father in heaven who paid the ultimate sacrifice to sympathize with you. And we go to him last. Like, I do it all the time, and then I'm, like, heartbroken about it. I'm like, why am I texting all of my friends before I spend a day prayer, praying and fasting? Like, why is not prayer and fasting my first response? In this last, I don't know how, what times you guys all got off the race. I know it's, like, probably different times for different squads. But if you just do a quick heart check, right? I don't know your lives. You're like, I'm the most holy person ever. Great. Show other people how to live that way. But maybe there's some of you that stepped into a victim mentality these last few weeks. Because people don't understand you. They don't know what you've been through. You have a calling and a purpose on your life, and you don't want to work at Starbucks. You, You don't. You're called to ministry. You're called to be ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. You should not be pouring lattes. Right? That's how I felt. I was like, I can't, I, I know too much. Like Parker said, I've experienced too much. I saw people miraculously healed on my race. I saw literal demons come out of people on my race. I had never experienced the Holy Spirit before the world race. And then I was like, well, this is a thing now because literal demons are coming out of people. So now I have to reconcile with the fact that that's a thing. And now I'm supposed to go to some nine to five job with people that have no idea that this whole unseen world even exists, right? Like, how do you even stand that tension? I'll tell you. It says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead 
lives inside of you. That means that there is no mundane job. It means that pouring lattes means that you can actually do prophetic acts and give people an encounter with Jesus. There's a girl named Victoria that I brought with me the last time we came to PSL, and she just started a church with us in Huntington Beach. We met her at a PSL three years ago, and uh, after we talked, she was like, I'm just in. Like, I just want this. And so she's in California with us. She lived with us for three months. She, like, helped nanny our kids for free just because she was so hungry to experience God, okay? And sometimes some of you have to do that. You just have to do stuff that's crazy to give you the life that you want, right? You signed up for a a year-long mission trip. That's pretty crazy. So her first job in Orange County that she got while doing ministry with us We're sharing the gospel on the beaches. We're seeing all these people get saved in Huntington Beach. And it's incredible. But she also has to pay her phone bill, right? And she has to, like, be able to feed herself. And so she gets a job at a deli, not glamorous. She's literally making sandwiches for a living, okay? She has taught the entire kitchen staff how to hear from God. And I'm not making this up. Like, you can literally look her up on Instagram and hear the testimonies. Okay, this is a girl who came off her world race, not sure what she was going to do with her life, knowing that she was called to plant churches, called to see revival in America, but didn't know what to do. And we said, it's in everything that you do, in everything. So get the job at the deli, right? And she's been there for six months. They're promoting her to be manager already. She's been there the shortest amount of time than anyone on the staff. And she's the one being promoted. Why? Because the owner said that everything she does makes the place better. She makes the signs better. She redoes all the signs in the place so it looks prettier and nicer. She's constantly working on ways to improve the business to help them make money. And that's like outside of her job. She makes minimum wage. She doesn't have to do that. Someone came into the deli about three weeks ago to order a sandwich, and the girlfriend of the guy was in the back, and she was on crutches. Victoria ran around the counter and prayed for her to be healed, and she was healed miraculously in the deli. So then the guy ends up giving his life to the Lord because his girlfriend was just healed, and they say, please show me, like, what you just did. This is crazy. Like, this is actually crazy. You were in a deli in Huntington Beach, and my girlfriend just got healed. How did this happen? And she's like, this is just what Jesus does. And we live in Orange County, which is like the Bible belt of, like, the whole West Coast. We have so many megachurches, everything. And he goes, with all the churches here, why don't we see stuff like this all the time? Good question. With all the world racers... All the alumni that have experienced these things, why are there not thousands of testimonies like this all over social media of what happens when you go and work at a deli? Why? Do you know why? Because you're being convinced every day of your life that one world or the other exists more than one or the other. You either believe And truly believe. I don't mean just saying you believe and worshiping about it. I mean, believe in your heart that you make all of your decisions based on that belief. 
You either believe that the kingdom of God and what Jesus says in his word is more true and more real than the very ground you're sitting on, or you believe that all of this is more real. And the enemy, for thousands and thousands of years, has become a master expert of convincing you that this matters more. And Jesus is like, but I gave you my spirit. Like, I gave you the very word of God. You can literally speak the words of God over your life to transform your mind so that you can realize what's more real. That's all faith is. If you read through the Gospels, you see how much Jesus is talking about faith, right? He talks about it a lot. My favorite thing that Jesus says is like total sass Jesus, where he says to his disciples, he's like, how much longer must I be with you? And everyone's like, Jesus is so patient and tender and kind, except when he's reaming me out because I still don't believe anything he's saying. And I feel like a lot of times he's like, what, what else do you guys need to hear? What else do you need to see? Do you need to see someone raised from the dead to like finally believe? Like the fact that you can close your eyes and worship and feel the tangible presence of God and anywhere you are. Like you can be in your car. You don't have to enter into a temple and wear garments and do all these sacrifices to feel his presence. You can literally be in your car and just curse someone out and ask for forgiveness and feel his tangible presence. And that's not enough to convince you. And so my whole thing, like, the reason why I fly my whole family from California to come to PSL is for, like, a small, tiny chance, a small, tiny hope that maybe I can say one sentence or you can feel one thing that convinces you that what he is offering you and what he is begging for you to participate in is more real and better than what you've been convinced of. Because here's the thing, we're praying for revival, right? Like everyone is praying for revival right now. Does anyone know what an actual revival is? Do you know that it's not like this crazy move of God? A revival is when Christians are revived. It's actually like you can't be revived if you're dead. So if you're not a Christian, you're not a part of revival. When you see those huge mass salvations, like the Jesus people movement, right? That is the benefit of people being revived. Because when Christians actually are convinced that God's real, they start sharing the gospel. And then people get saved. So we're like, bring in the harvest, God. And he's like, I don't know if you read my word, but what I actually said is, Lift up your eyes because I already did. Like, I tell people all the time, it's low-hanging fruit in America. Like, I don't know if you need to go far on Instagram to realize, like, people are struggling, (laughs) right? And then we, like, jump on the bandwagon as Christians. We're like, oh, I know, life is hard. Where does our help come from? And then we're like, I'm kind of like a David because I have this like really tender heart and I really resonate with the Psalms. And David, first of all, didn't have the Holy Spirit living within him, first of all, okay? And then David says, he says, 
Where does my help come from? I look to the mountains and I see that my help comes from the creator of the heavens and the earth. Are we people that are telling people, no, 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 you actually have hope. Like, you don't need to be phased by the things that are happening in this world because take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. Like, we don't live in the Old Testament any longer. We're not waiting for the Messiah to come back. Like, he's already come back and rose again. Like, we believe in a resurrected Savior. Like, do you realize what you're prescribing to as Christians? Like, you're kind of a crazy person now. Do you realize that? You believe. I'm just, maybe some of you don't know this. This is what the gospel says. It says that you actually believe that there, first of all, is a God in heaven. And you believe that he sent down his son for you while you were cursing him out, complaining, and doing whatever you wanted to do, that he was so good that he would send that person down for you and all of humanity. And that not only did he die on the cross, but you believe that this person rose from the dead. Like you're a crazy person that believes that the dead can be raised. And yet you're not sure what you're going to do about your financial situation next month. Like that is weird, right? Like I, I always tell the staff here, I'm like, I have such a hard time sometimes talking to people right off their race because it's like, it's co- kind of confusing for me because I'm like, you're saying things that don't m- like match. You're like, you are good, good. Oh, and you're like, but I'm really struggling right now because I don't really believe that you're good. And you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. And you're like, I have this fear of the future. And I'm like, why have you not been convinced in this last 11 months that you have nothing to fear? You literally have nothing to fear. You guys traveled around the world and you made it here. You have nothing to fear. You know, there is one benefit that I had on my race that you probably did not have that helped me really follow Jesus. I can almost guarantee it. There is one thing that happened, and I wish it happened to every single one of you. Because everyone's like, how'd you stay on fire? Like, you've never, I've honestly never stopped being like on fire for God. When I was on my race in month seven, we were in Africa, and we were doing door-to-door ministry, and we were seeing tons of people get saved. Like, it was insane. And that night we were in our house and all of a sudden, and I'm originally from New York. So like my discernment is like way high. Like I just know when people are doing things and you have to, if you live in Manhattan. And so I'm, we're sitting about to have dinner and I hear, no, it's way louder than that. (laughs) It was like, I don't want to break anything, but it was like, like on the wall, I run to my room. I just like bust out. And I say to my like team, I'm like, someone's breaking in. And I just run. All of a sudden, the door crashes down and all about 30 African men bombard into our house with guns 
and concrete boulders and are knocking down the walls and the doors. And I literally have my body pressed against the door because it wouldn't lock. And I'm holding my body against the door and they're saying, Mazungu, Mazungu, we're going to kill you. And I am, I, at that point, I had been like a born again believer for like 10 months. <laughs> and <laughs> I had like, I signed up for the race like right when I got saved. I used to work in nightclubs and was like a doorman in New York City. I got radically saved. That's a story for another day. But I'm like a pretty new Christian. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I just start praying like, I don't even know if you could call it tongues. I'm just like, Jesus, 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 please help me, please help me. Yeah, to protect me, blah, blah, blah. Like, please protect me, blah, blah. And I'm like sweating and I like turn the lights off in the room. I'm like, maybe they won't think anyone's in here. And I'm like holding myself against the door. And I'm like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I say this one thing to God. I go, there's no way. There's no way that you had me leave New York leave my life in New York, go through this like total heart transformation to have me die in a slum in Africa. Like what testimony to all of my non-Christian friends in New York would that leave? And I was like, Jesus, you have to protect me. You have to protect me. And I started like yelling at God. And I was like, God, if you protect me, I will follow you every single day of my life. You have to protect me. You have to protect me. And then a few minutes later, all of the men left the house. They never broke into my room. The police ended up coming and they said that it was the first time ever that there was an, a robbery like this where they didn't kill everyone in the house. The first time ever. Because they normally kill the people so that you can't identify them. First time ever, there wasn't a mass shooting in the house. They took everything we had. You want to talk about a hard world race? Try doing with the world race with nothing. Like, no clothes, no computers, no phones, no cameras, nothing. And so we're like, what do we do now? <laughs> we have nothing. And also, we're a little traumatized. Our parents are, like, screaming for us to come back home, right? All Everyone's talking about what just happened. And we decided as a team to worship God. And we just said, you know, we're like, and I remember just sitting there, and we're like, God, we don't know why the hell that just happened. But thank you for protecting us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you that you saved us from hell. And thank you that you saved us from this robbery. God, use us. Train us. Show us how to live for you. And so behind that door that day, I died to myself. I died to my own will. So coming back from the race was easy for me. Because I was happy to be alive. And so whether it meant taking a mundane job or being ridiculed for my faith, like all of that's easy compared to like having a gun to your head, right? 
And, you know, after my race, I had so many prophetic words of all the things I was called to do. And just now, 10 years later, am I starting to see a glimmer of those promises? A glimmer. Like, we're not even at the 1% of the prophetic words that our family and that I received. Maybe, like, my marriage to Parker. That's, like, one of the things that people said because I was the most single person ever. (laughs) But by choice. I was like, I want to be single because every guy's a loser and no one loves Jesus as much as me. (laughs) But then I met Parker. I still love Jesus more, though. And (laughs) but literally, (laughs) literally, we're just starting to see those things. You know, I came back to New York and I was so upset I had to go back to New York. I didn't have one Christian friend in New York. And I'm going to be like the opposite speaker of every single person you talk to. You know what you don't need? You don't need community. John the Baptist didn't have community. He was out in the wilderness as a psychopath eating locusts, right? Do you know what he had? He had God. And guess what? Community found him. It says that John the Baptist had his own disciples, meaning that he was living a life so fruitful that people were like, we'll join the locust eating guy. Like, do you realize it? Like, it's really, when you, like, read these things, it's kind of crazy, right? Like, are you living a life where you actually don't have to find community, but community finds you because you're so on fire and mission with God? I've never had to find community. I came back from my race, and I started sharing the gospel on the streets by myself. And then I was like, I should be in a church. I probably need to have one Christian friend because that's wisdom. Like, you shouldn't, God, he has a plan. It's called the church. Read all of Acts and the New Testament. Like, if you have issues with the church, then you really need to talk to Jesus. Because whether you like her or not, that's how he's doing things. So, like, he's coming back for one person, the bride. So either you are her or you're not. I will repeat that. (laughs) You are either the bride or you are not. And so as many problems as the bride has, she is sometimes a psychopath going down the aisle. My job is to comb her hair and to put her shoes on and to button up the back of her dress and to not criticize the bride, but to make her the best way I know, make her beautiful for God. And so I'm like, we mess up things all the time. You can ask everyone in our church, there are some weeks where Parker and I are like, we don't know what the hell we're doing today, so just worship and pray. Like, we don't know what God's doing. I'm like, I don't even know what I think about anything right now. Like, just pray. And they're like, okay. Because you want to know why? They're not in our church for us. Like, I will tell you, and this is, I was talking to Seth about this other day. Do you know 100%, 100% of the World Race alumni that are in salt churches, are on fire for God. 100%. We have not had one World Race alumni that is not regularly preaching the gospel, discipling people, seeing signs, wonders, miracles, and encountering God on a daily basis. Like, there's no better program than the church. And, you know, with discipleship, our discipleship program is, like, zero, like, to numb because you want to know why. We are in discipleship for life. We don't have a three-month, three-year, 
six-year, 10-year program. The girl, Victoria, that works at the deli that I was telling you about, I disciple her every single Monday. Her and three girls that are all World Race alumni. And I said, I'm committed to you for your whole life. So that means that, like, when you have kids 10 years from now, I'm going to train you on how to feed them in the middle of the night. And when you're struggling with your job, I'm going to show up to your job and help you because we're committed for life. You know, a lot of people are like, well, Jesus discipled his people for three years. Not true. That's not true. That's not the truth at all. He rose again, guys. He came back and he said, hey, I'm going to give you my spirit. Now go find the lost sheep of Israel. And you think that these cowards that totally abandoned Jesus were like, well, our three-year discipleship program's done. They were freaked out, but they got Jesus for life. Right? And so we read through Acts and we're like, I want to be like the Acts church. But we have to receive Jesus for life. We have to be in discipleship for life. Every single day, we are working on becoming more like God, hungering after God. People are like, when do you feel satisfied? And I believe that it's not until the other side of eternity. Because I'm not satisfied until literally he's like this in my face. And we're like, because the more that I get to know God, the better I realize he is. And so nothing in this world can convince me otherwise. I'm fully persuaded and convinced. You know that faith is a word called pistis, which means to be totally convinced and persuaded by God. That's all that faith is. And the Bible says that every single one of you has been given a measure of faith. So like, can I have your water bottle? Okay, so this is like three quarters full. I'm an Enneagram 7, so everything's, like, optimistic to me. So it's, like, three quarters full. Let's say God, right, because he can do whatever he wants. He can give everyone different measures of faith. So, like, you see these crazy people with crazy anointings. They maybe got the same measure as someone else. But here's what happens, right? So you have three quarters of faith. God's like, there you go. That's a free gift called grace. So you didn't have to earn it. I just gave it to you. And to not be misunderstood, grace is not mercy. A lot of times we're like, we need to give that person grace. No, you mean we need to give that person mercy. Like when someone's drinking and acting like an idiot, when they have the Holy Spirit in them, maybe you can extend mercy to them, but you're not extending grace to them. Grace is the empowerment to do what God's asked you to do. So if I'm extending grace to you, I'm saying, rise up. Like, come on, you can do this. That's grace. You have the Holy Spirit living within you. That's what grace is. It's the fact that Jesus gave you his spirit. So you have the grace to do the things that he's calling you to do because you can't do it without him. Because Romans says there's no one good on the earth. Therefore, therefore, Thank you, God, for sending your son. And all of the New Testament is literally a petition saying, 
You were idiots. You missed him. You missed him. And here he is. Here's the thing you've been looking for. And grace says, now live righteously because you can. Jesus' first message, John the Baptist's first message is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? It means turn away from the world. Don't be persuaded and convinced of that world anymore. But the kingdom is an option now. So all of you, right, you have an option now. Jesus is saying, don't take this life. Turn away from it. Repent. Because now you have access to this new life. Because by his grace, you have been, what? Have you been, though? Have you been? Have you been saved? Have you been truly saved? Because I'm not, like Parker talked about it before, it's not about raising your hand in altar call or even saying, like, I believe in Jesus. It says they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart. Do you believe in your heart that Jesus is king, that he is Lord? Because if you believe that in your heart, you don't need community. You can live a life with Jesus plus nothing else because you're fully convinced that he is good. You're fully convinced you don't need anyone to do anything for you. And you'll be amazed at how much God honors and loves faithfulness because God loves us. He's a good father. We sing those things. We sing your good, good father. But do you believe that in your heart? Do you believe it honestly in your heart? Because would you believe that a good father would just give you an awful, terrible life, that he would have you go on this world race for you to just suffer? Does that sound like a good father? No, but yet someone's convincing you of that. Someone's convincing you that you need to make a lot of money in your next season, otherwise you're going to struggle. Or someone's convincing you that the way of being holy is having no money. Those are both lies. What does Jesus say? He says something that the church and World Race alumni all together, we need to hear this. He says, I came to bring what? Life. And who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Who? Guys, you got to know who your enemy is because you are in a battle. You're actually signing up for something crazy. And it's called being an ambassador of heaven. So you need to know who's an ambassador against you. There is someone that does not want you to be convinced by God. And he's better at this than you and probably knows your Bible better than you do. That's why we have to meditate on God's word. That's why we have to sit there and literally say, I feel like crap right now. I feel scared and depressed and alone. That means that I'm being convinced by someone else. Jesus says, call upon the name of the Lord and he will 
come to you. So you literally just say, Jesus, Jesus, I'm believing crazy things. Your word, though, which is more true than my feelings and my thoughts. Your word says that you came to give me life and life more abundantly. But these thoughts that I'm thinking sound more like a thief than a father. Heal my mind, God. Heal my heart, God. Help me, Holy Spirit, to live for you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, we surrender our lives to you. We release to you, God, our need and desire for control. God, we surrender our need for things to go how we think it should go, God. And I thank you that you've given every single one of us a measure of faith. And now, God, I pray that we take that faith, that three quarters of a bottle, that we take it and we pour it out on the truth. Because guess what? You have that three-quarter bottle of faith, right? You believe some things about God. He's given you this measure of faith. And now God tells you something and the enemy tells you another. And you decide where you invest that faith. You, every single day, are investing faith into something. So I tell people, I'm like, not all processing is good. Like, we're a generation, and I, I'm like the queen of it. Like, we want a verbal process. We want to talk about how we're feeling, blah, blah. If you are thinking demonic thoughts, do not pour your three quarters of a bottle onto those things. Because guess what? You're feeling a little anxious, right? A little depressed. The Bible says don't dwell on those things. Actually, don't text your friend and say, I need to process this really fast. Take a day. Take one day. I'm begging you. I'm praying fast about it. And just see what happens. You know, you crazy people believe that when you die, you're going to go to heaven, right? Like, that's what you believe? Some of you? Some of you are going to die and not go anywhere? I don't know. But you're believing something like that. You can't see heaven. And you believe yet when you die, you'll go there but you believe that God can't free you from anxiety or depression because a doctor said otherwise? Like, that's, that's actually crazy. I was freed from anxiety in an instant. I was freed from depression in three years. Some things happen in a moment. Other things are a process that you have to walk out. And you know, I know something so crazy. I trust God in all of it. Because if it's a process, it's because there's a reason. There's a process. But God always heals. If you can show me one scripture where Jesus' will is not life, then I'll give you this microphone because I should never come back here again. If you can show me one scripture where the enemy is trying to give you good things for your life, again, you can have my microphone. But too many of us are preaching false doctrine that go against the word of God and we're convincing people that God doesn't want them to be free. But we're like, sing about your half freedom. 
show people how half free you are. And we're wondering why revival's not happening. We're wondering why 73% of America is Christians, and yet our country is in utter turmoil and chaos because possibly we have Christians that don't believe in Jesus. We have world race alumni that are more convinced by Satan that Jesus only offers half-life. That he didn't die to raise you, you, yourself, and your dreams, and your mind, and your thoughts, and your will, and your emotion out of the grave and actually make you born again. Do you know that when you're baptized, you literally die and enter into a brand new life? And so if you're still thinking crazy things, you actually need to tell those crazy things to die in Jesus' name. Jesus says all authority, not a quarter of authority, not three quarters of a bottle of faith. He says all authority, all of it, everything, all of the power on earth has been given to who? Who has all authority? Guys, who has all authority? Do you believe that? Who has all authority? You need to believe this. Jesus! Jesus has all authority. Jesus is the only name that can save. He is the only way, the truth, and the life. Buddhism will send people to death. Like Islam will send people to hell. And I know that this isn't a popular message. This stuff is controversial, and I don't care. I don't want to see people in hell because only Jesus has all authority. Only Jesus can heal the sick. Only Jesus can raise the dead. I don't care what you think otherwise. This is what the Word of God says, and it is more true than what you think and what you feel. I don't care if you prayed for someone and they were not healed. Jesus still heals. Jesus still raises from the dead. Parker and I prayed for a baby six months ago in L.A., and it was the worst thing in my entire life. This mother was a single mother. In, she was like a broken woman, and she could barely afford anything. And she put her child into child care, and it was like a welfare system, and the child care person dropped the baby and created brain damage in the baby's head. And the baby's brain was dead. And Parker and I have a reputation for believing in Jesus. So we were called from Orange County to LA, which was a two hour drive for us, to come to this ICU hospital and pray for this six month old baby. And it was the worst thing I had ever done in my life. And a lot of you are like, you don't know how hard my world race is. You know how hard real life is? We live in a country that is really hurting. There are people that are broken, and there are barely any Christians with any faith. We went into this hospital, and they let me lay hands on the baby. They did not let anyone touch the baby. For some reason, they let me touch the baby. And I had people all around the nation praying with me, ministers that we knew that had so much faith praying for me and believing that this baby was going to be raised from the dead. And I literally took my three quarters of a bottle of faith and I like poured it onto this baby. And I was like, in Jesus' name, open your eyes. In Jesus' name, take a breath. And the baby was cooked up to all these machines. And 
the mom is laying in the bed, just holding the baby and weeping. And she's like, I'm going to have to say goodbye. I'm gonna, and I'm like, no, this baby's going to raise from the dead. I know I didn't drive here for this baby to not live. Baby's going to raise from the dead. I go into the hallway and I am talking to Parker and the nurse comes up to me and she says, you know, what I really need you to do right now as a minister, you know, I'm a Christian too. I'm a believer too. But this woman's baby is dead and you're giving her false hope. I need you to not give her false hope right now. I, I'm a believer too. And I literally was like, I need to step away from you right now and go back. And now I understand when Jesus had people leave the room. I never understood that scripture. I was like, that seems unkind to not allow people to witness the miracle. But yet there's believers that don't really believe. And all of a sudden, I started kind of getting insecure because this nurse, who's an expert, is convincing me and persuading me of something different than the Word of God. And so now I'm, like, in this tension of, like, well, am I, like, giving false hope to this mom? Like, I don't want to do that. So we go into the room, and we're praying, and we're praying, and we're praying. And this baby ends up dying. And I get into the car, and I'm a wreck. Like, hot mess wreck. Like, you want to talk about struggle? I'm like... Why would God even do that? Why would he make us experience that? Like, why have us come all the way from Orange County to L.A. to pray for a baby that's not going to be raised from the dead? Like, that seems mean. And as I'm sitting there and I'm praying and I'm worshiping, I'm like, God, like, why? Why did you do that? Why didn't you raise it? You know how many people would have talked about this miracle? He would have done this miracle. And all I heard God whisper to me was, do you still believe that I'm good? And do you still believe that I can raise people from the And it was in that moment that I had to decide to put my faith in him, despite what I just experienced. And so still, I still believe God can raise people from the dead. And if someone called me tomorrow to pray, for a baby that was about to die, I would be there as soon as possible. Because you want to know what? This, what Jesus says, what the Bible says, everything that God has showed us is still more true than everything that you've experienced. And Jesus is just saying, put your trust and faith in me. Put your trust and faith in me. Everything that you're afraid is going to happen in these next few months, put your faith in God. Put your faith in God. Because all authority has been given to him. And so I don't understand all the things that happen in this world, nor am I asked to. If you could understand every decision and thing about God, would you worship him? Like, I don't want to worship a God that I can fully understand. Like, I don't know how you made stars or the whole universe or even how time works. 
you know that they can move light now? I don't know, like, you're like, whoa, that's cool. Who cares? No, that's like a huge deal. Like the fact that they can move light means that like you can bend time, which is a really crazy thing, which means that no one really knows how all of this is working. (laughs) Which means that we still don't understand how God created the heavens and the earth, but we know that they exist. And so we look at the trees and we look at the stars and the Bible says that all of the earth and all of creation testifies of a living God. And so it says, even if you haven't heard about God, you know him because you can see him in everything. And so even though he didn't raise this baby from the dead, he's still God and he's still worthy of praise. And I will still put all of my faith and trust in him. Because he does things that I don't understand, but every single day I beg God, help me to understand an inch more. Help me to live my life where at least I'm agreeing with the king instead of the enemy. Help me at least. You know, I can pray for a thousand people to be healed and maybe no one's healed, but at least I'm on the right team. Then being someone that's like, you know, okay if you feel like crap the rest of your life. Everyone kind of feels like that. That's not compassion. That's not mercy. You're damning someone to eternal struggle. Be that one controversial person that says, you know what? You have depression today. Tomorrow, I believe you're not going to. Oh, you have depression today too? Well, tomorrow, in Jesus' name, you're not going to. You know what? Jesus says that he came to give you peace. He's the prince of peace. So you have anxiety? Well, I'm just going to pray that you can hang out with the prince of peace. You still feel anxious, right? You can feel it bubbling inside of you. It's hard to go to sleep at night. Well, I pray that the prince of peace just comes into your room. Oh, he didn't show up tonight? He's going to come tomorrow or the day after that or the day after that. But I cannot afford, you cannot afford to take that three-quarter bottle and pour it into disbelief. You can't afford it. You literally can't because you barely have any faith as it is. You know, we see, we love the story of Jesus calling Peter out into the water, right? We're like, oh my gosh, I would totally walk into the water if Jesus called me out. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Want to know how I know for a fact you wouldn't? Because you're too convinced that the waves are more real than Jesus. Want to know how I know? Because when you're worshiping, a prisoner looks different than a free person. A free person knows whose authority they're under. A free person, when they say that they're free, they're not begging for their freedom. They know what Isaiah says about setting the captives free. You don't have to say, I'm free, I'm free, when you believe you're free. No one has to convince me of my freedom. I know whose authority I'm under. Literally, I've cast out demons, and they don't scare me. On the race, they scared the crap out of me because I didn't know whose authority I was under. So I'd be like, Jesus, please don't have a demon. Like, do something because I'm really freaked out, and, like, I'm scared of the dark, and blah, blah, blah. And now... Parker will tell you, I walk down the street and demons manifest at me all the time. It's called carrying the presence. 
literally. The, I'm like, why doesn't this happen in America? It does if you carry the presence. I see way more supernatural things now as I carry the presence of God. And I walk into places and literally, Parker can tell you, I was on the subway pregnant with our first son and this man, really scary man, comes up to me and he's like, I know who you are. And I was like, okay. And he was like, you're moving to California and your baby is a terrible baby and I hope you both die. And I said, in Jesus' name, get out of my face. Now, did that sound like life or death? And that's in America, guys. That's in America. And there are times we're walking down the street and we see people and they're like, ah! And I go, Jesus loves you. And then they're like, ah. I literally slow danced with someone at the beach that was telling me that they started the Jesus People Movement and that they were Chuck Smith, who's a guy who died. And I was like, well, nice to meet you, Chuck Smith. And I cast you out in the name of Jesus. And he was like, ha, ha, And I was like, ha, ha, you're free in Jesus' name. And he was like, and he's like, what's happening? And I'm like, you're getting delivered. <sighs> but this is normal life. I know you're like, that's not my normal life. It can be. <laughs> it can be, because here's the thing. This is what the world is starving for. People are leaving the churches in droves because they don't need a good message. They don't need wise and persuasive words. They need a gospel of power. They need Christians that believe that Jesus is real, that he's alive, that he's resurrected. And they need people that are free, that are free that are totally, completely free. It says, we love when David's like dancing naked. <laughs> and he's like, I'll be more undignified than this. That means not singing, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Someone give me something to help me feel free. But it's just, Jesus, Jesus, you're worthy. You're worthy of all of the glory. You're worthy of it all. And I can't believe that I get to work at a deli and maybe pray for someone that walks in. And I can't believe that I get to work at Starbucks and maybe pour a coffee for someone and encourage them. And I can't believe that I get to move to California and start a church in salt, for salt. <laughs> but literally, it's the biggest honor and privilege to be an ambassador for God. And there's one thing I want to read to you guys. I didn't read my, from my notes at all. I don't even know why I write them. I literally have a 16-page message here, and I didn't read one thing from it. I feel like this verse is a question for you guys, and I want to wrap up with this. John 6, 67, it says, So Jesus said to the 12, and I believe that Jesus is asking every person in this room right now. He gives you guys an option. That's how good he is. After everything you've seen, everything you've experienced, everything you know about him, everything you worship and say about him. When people don't understand, when they disagree, when they're trying to convince you otherwise, when they say this Christian life is not what you think it is, when your depression or anxiety or fears are raging, Jesus says, do you want to go away as well? Do you 
want to go away as well. And right now, I just pray that you can make a decision for good in your heart, not in your mind, because your mind will disagree with your heart all the time. But will you believe in your heart what Simon Peter says, which is what I wish every one of us would say. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Holy Spirit, right now, I just ask that you just speak to every single person in this room. And I thank you that by your spirit, you can lead us into salvation. I don't pray that these people are Christians. I pray that they are saved, body, soul, and spirit. I thank you, God, that you release them of the bondage of the enemy. And we just break off and cast out depression, anxiety, and fear in Jesus' name. It has to go. It has no place here. It has no authority. Any shame we just cast off right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so by your stripes, we are healed right now. So if there's any sickness in the room, we cast it out in the name of Jesus. And right now, if there's any worrying thoughts, right now we just slam you to your feet and we send you to the cross and you better beg for mercy because the King of kings and Lord of lords rules and reigns on this earth forever and ever, God. And so I pray that you would give us the power to be your ambassadors on this earth. I pray that every single person in this room would have boldness and courage Stir up courage right now in this room. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that they can boldly preach the power of the gospel, that they would not be ashamed of the gospel, but it is the only power of God that can bring people into salvation. And so, Holy Spirit, come. Renew their minds, God. I pray that right now there's 15 people in this room that need a brand new mind. And so I just release that right now in Jesus' name. And I ask that you give them brand new thoughts that are your thoughts. Suicidal thoughts, you have to go in Jesus' name. You have no permission. I pray that every single person in this room would see visions of themselves living fully alive and redeemed, God. Give them vision and revelation and dreams of the life that they're called to, God. I pray that their identity and their purpose would be secure. In Ephesians, it says that it is in Christ, in Christ that we know who we are and what we're called to do. So we don't need an Enneagram test. We don't need a personality test. And we don't need a person to tell us who we are or what we're called to do because it's in you, God. So fill them with your spirit. Fill them with identity. Fill them with purpose, Lord God, and let them not waver to and fro like a double-minded man, Lord God, but let their faith be backed up by works because they fully believe and they're fully convinced that you are the king, you are the Lord, and you are worthy. You are worthy. 
You are worthy of all praise because yours, God, is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, forever, forever. And so give us a glimpse of what our lives look like in eternity as we sit next to you face to face, worshiping you, and help us to live from that position today that we don't need to wait any longer. You say, go and make disciples. And the very end of that verse is my favorite of all. It says, I am with you always. I am with you always. So when you feel alone and scared, he is with you always. You are never alone. You have perfect community. You have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit invading your car, your bedroom, your workplace. We thank you, Jesus, that there is nowhere we can go outside of your spirit. Nothing can separate us from the love that you have for us. Nothing, God. And so we tell that stupid, annoying enemy to shut up in Jesus' name. You have no permission to speak any longer and you must be silent in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you feel inspired, encouraged, and empowered to change the world for the name of Jesus. Make sure to tune in and listen to our other podcasts and download our app, Salt Churches, found on iTunes. We hope to see you and hear from you soon. Thanks. Have a great day.